So, Father, as we turn to your word now, Lord, we pray for Anne as she brings it. Lord, would you strengthen her, give her all she needs. We pray for a really good connection with a Wi-Fi. But, Lord, we pray that you'd begin to just teach us more and more about yourself through what Anne brings. In Jesus' name. Amen. I hope everybody can hear me. And I don't know who I'm talking to, really, because I don't know exactly who's there. But it's good that we're together in this way. A bit weird, but it's really good to be with you. We're heading towards Easter. And I guess over these next couple of weeks, we'll be looking at the Easter story. And the point we're at today is in Mark chapter 9. And again, if you want to look it up, do. We're going to start at Mark chapter 9, verse 30. If you want to just listen, just listen, whatever you like. But we're at the point where Jesus is coming to the end of what we call his public ministry. He's had a couple of years of preaching around the Galilee area, of visiting the synagogues, of preaching out in the open air, gathering the crowds, healing people, just showing glimpses of God's kingdom on earth. And that bit of his ministry is coming to an end. And he's going to journey from Galilee. He's going to travel a long way south down to Jerusalem. And that's where the story's got to. So we're just heading south to Jerusalem. Uh, to save my voice, I'm going to ask Kevin upstairs to read it. So if he can unmute and he can read the passage for us. There we go. I'm unmuted. Um, so I'm actually reading Mark chapter 9, starting to read at verse 30. Mark 9, verse 33 to 37. So they, that's Jesus and his followers, left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Kevin. So, the end of the public ministry, Jesus now going to travel with his disciples, and he's going to use it as an opportunity to teach them. And they need teaching. There's loads they've got to learn if they're going to be the next group of people that are going to teach the good news of Jesus. So he's using one-to-one -one opportunities, he's chatting as they walk. And Mark tells us that on three occasions, he says to them these really difficult things. He says to them, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be killed, but I'm going to come back to life. And the one that Kevin's just read to us was the second one. And he refers to himself as the son of man, that the son of man is going to be killed. 
but on the third day he'll come back to life. So the disciples are hearing this and Mark tells us that they didn't understand. And all the gospel writers are incredibly honest. They say when the disciples get it wrong, and we see quite a few of these instances. Sometimes they take things literally when they shouldn't. Sometimes they jump to conclusions. Sometimes they just put their foot in it. And it's not surprising because they're disciples, they're learners. And that's what a disciple is, a learner. We've got L plates on our backs and so had they. But it's strange because in this particular passage, Mark says that the disciples were afraid to ask Jesus about it. They didn't understand, but they were afraid to ask him. And you have to think, well, why? Why wouldn't they just say, what do you mean? Was it just the usual things that stopped them asking? The same as it does for us sometimes. Sometimes we just feel a bit inadequate. Perhaps they did. Perhaps they thought, well, it's just me that doesn't understand. I'll ask one of the others later. Perhaps they thought they misheard. Messiahs, because that's who they were coming to understand that Jesus was. Messiahs don't get killed. Or perhaps they just didn't want to hear. They didn't want to hear because it's just too awful, too tough. I find that loads of times in hospital situations or the hospice, the giving of bad news. And if people don't want to hear it, sometimes they just don't hear. You have to hear it lots of times. Because if they heard it, they might be thinking, well, this means it's all failed. Jesus's mission is, is failed. It's just gone completely all wrong. It also had implications for them. It was scary. If he was going to get killed, would they be next? Their followers, they're known to be with him. Would they find themselves killed too? And they're so busy focusing on the scary stuff that somehow they seem to almost miss the amazing promise of resurrection that Jesus said. Perhaps they just thought he was referring to the afterlife, I don't know. But somehow fear has swamped the hope of the resurrection in their minds. We're disciples. Just like them, we've got the L plates. And I guess we keep those on until we see Jesus face to face one day. But I think I want to highlight, if you remember one thing from this 10 minute little bit, remember this, it's okay to ask Jesus questions. It's okay to say to Jesus, Jesus, I just don't get that. Or to say, why? Or to say, but that's not fair. It's okay to say it to Jesus, and it is actually okay to say it to each other, to say, I'm struggling with whatever it is we might be struggling with. We never, ever need to be afraid to ask Jesus questions. And why do I think that? Because I remember the words of Jesus that said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy stuff, and I'll give you rest. So hold on to that, okay? That's the same. If the other bits fall out of your head, they do. That's okay. Hold on to that. It's okay to ask Jesus questions. And in this current situation that we find ourselves in, we've got loads of questions, haven't we? All those internal questions that go round and round. For me, they go around in the middle of the night. I don't know about you, but that's when all my questions are churning away. The big theological questions. How come this happens in a world? that God made, all those big questions, you know, the, the ones that we just can't find the answers to. 
we may find we've got other people posing big questions around us. The why me questions, why him, why her, why does your God? Those sort of questions. And to say it's okay not to have all the answers. It's okay to say you don't know. It's okay to be anxious like everybody else is because we're human. Remember, we've got the L plates. We're learning to listen, learning to understand, learning how best to respond. But we've got to be careful too that we don't focus so much on the horrible stuff, the tough stuff, the number of deaths, everything else that comes on our screens every evening, the uncertainties for the future. If we focus just on that, we'll fail to see the resurrection hope. Light is always stronger than darkness. Love is always greater than fear. Death does not have the final victory. And that was demonstrated on that first Easter morning as Jesus was raised from the death and he showed his disciples that love wins, that God does save and that the kingdom of heaven can touch earth. So in these strange times, as we journey towards Easter, we need to own the awfulness of the cross, but be reminded of the brilliance of the resurrection. We need to own the awfulness of what's happening in the world around us and in our communities and even in our families, but also anticipate the presence of God who is active and busy. Second bit of the reading is one that's very easy to visualize. They've been on the road for a bit. They've stopped at somebody's house. They've probably had their supper. They're all chatting. And Jesus suddenly says, in probably quite a loud voice, so that lots of them could hear, what were you arguing about on the way here? And then you can just imagine the silence, that really uncomfortable silence as they all look at their feet and they all start to sort of just think, oh, because they knew what they'd been talking about. They'd been arguing. They'd been arguing amongst themselves that who would be the greatest, who would have the best job if Jesus... The Messiah they thought he was became somehow the ruler of Palestine, kicked out the Romans, overthrew the Jewish authorities. He was in charge. Which of those would get the best job? Total misunderstanding. And again, the gospel writers honest enough to say it. Misunderstanding big scale because Jesus wasn't that sort of Messiah. He was the suffering servant Messiah. The one alluded to in Old Testament writings of Isaiah, one sent by God to suffer like us, to die like us, but also to save us from our sin. And in him is the hope of heaven. In him is the reason the future kingdom of God can actually be experienced partially on earth even now and enjoyed one day in full when we're actually called to heaven. And as he took that little child and as he tried to explain to them about the, the last being first and the first being last and trying to get them to think differently about the kingdom of God and what it would look like, that child somehow summed up that this kingdom was open to anybody and everybody, not just the grown-ups, the children too, not just those that were full of words, but the ones with no voices. And interestingly, the word for child was the same as the word for servant, that this was for anybody, 
How amazing that that's who he'd come to serve. Jesus said, I've come to serve, not to be served. So in this enforced home time, whether we're still going out to work, we've still got probably more time at home than we normally have, there's a bit more space. Space to listen and to listen carefully, to ask God to teach us more, to ask him to help us understand more clearly, to be willing to put down some old misunderstandings if we need to, and to ask him to show us what he wants to do in our individual lives. To say to him, God, what are you going to say to me in this, in this difficult time? What do you want me to hear? What do you want me to learn? To come before him and say, what do you want to teach our family during this time? Are there things that we need to do to just bring family closer together? What do we need to be doing? Talk to God about it. God, what do you want to do with this new church in Telford? The ground has changed. It all feels a bit different now. What do you want us to do? God, what about our community where we live? What are you saying to it at this time? Have we got space to listen that bit more? What are you saying to our country, Lord? And it's about really listening, taking time to ponder things, reflect on them, jot them down if it helps. Share perhaps a thought with somebody else and say, what do you think about this? We can do that with each other. But also, never ever to be afraid of asking Jesus the questions. To go back to him asking for help. Asking him to help us trust him during this time. For now, for the future, whatever it might look like. Trusting our families to him. I'm going to finish by reading some words from the letter in the New Testament of the Bible. The letter to the church. Uh, Philippi, so it's the, the letter to the Philippians. And I'm going to read a little bit from chapter four. And just as I read it, just let these words somehow sink in or see if there's a, a phrase that just sticks with you. It's quite hard, this first bit. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to god ask him and the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus i'm just going to finish with an old prayer that you'll probably recognize some of you Day by day, dear Lord, of thee, three things I pray to see thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, and follow thee more nearly. Day by day, amen.